You are my crown, and um, I can confidently say that about Dick Levain. And the joy is we'll actually see Hannah in two weeks' time. Um, I hope you've got some biltong for me. And uh, we look forward to sharing that with you in Missoula, Montana. Well, what an extraordinary day it is for the world. When we realize all that has taken place over this weekend. <clears throat> and such a joy on Friday to enjoy a a brilliant word, Andy. Thank you so much. And happy birthday for yesterday from all of us. Neo, I also heard it was your birthday. Happy birthday to you and anyone else. Weekend. The weekend that this takes place over was one of the biggest celebrations in the city of Jerusalem. The nations gathered into Zion, Jerusalem for the Passover weekend. And it was over that weekend that God chose to sacrifice His Son. And when you look at Passover, you realize that God from all, from before creation already had this plan to redeem us. But if you listen to the reading that Heather and I did, you would have realized that Jesus' followers just did not understand. You heard the, the words, they were grieving and mourning. And every one of us has faced unmet expectations at times. You're expecting something to work out. You think, oh, that's how it will happen. And you stand back watching and waiting. Oh, this is how it's going to work out. And sometimes... It just isn't that way. In English, we call it unmet expectations. And they can lead to disappointment, discouragement, all those things as you hold on to something and then it seems to just slip away. And when that stone that enormous stone. It's about so wide. Very large. Was rolled down in front of that grave. Something must have truly died in those followers of Jesus. They withdraw to 
somebody's home or some place the bible doesn't tell us clearly where they grieve together at the loss of their leader at the loss of one who seemed to carry all the answers and the future but they did do one thing well they had learned the word also says and they prayed their prayers must have been quite interesting what had just happened we know the story because we've got the scriptures but for them although they also had the scriptures they just didn't understand and while they mourned on the other side of Jerusalem down in this quiet garden there was this great activity of God we hear that some angels were sent the Roman gods standing there they had been positioned to make sure that nothing went wrong I mean if ever anyone got a lousy job they got one before creation they were doomed to failure and they're standing there with their spears and their swords on their sides and suddenly these two angels appear and all they hear is the stone being rolled away and they are just rum rum <laughs> They are just paralyzed. <laughs> One of the scriptures says they were like dead men. <laughs> As that happens. And in that moment, <laughs> in the burial tomb, <laughs> these cloths start to open <laughs> and life returns to Jesus. Life returns. He is raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. I'm not sure if it was him or the angels. But I think this was in the scripture particularly for Heather. Because one of them, even in this moment, took time to fold up the burial clothes. <laughs> My day cannot start until our bed is made. And here it is. Jesus is alive. And we hear that the women are the first ones to hear. They see the Son of God is alive. And they go and 
Tell Peter. And John. I love John's account in the gospel. The one who Jesus loved is how he refers to himself. Says the one that Jesus loved got to the tomb, the tomb before the other one. He wanted history to know. I was the first to get there. <laughs> Until someone says to him, well, actually, no, it was the women. <laughs> but in that moment, as God exerted the power of heaven, death gave up its grip. We mustn't miss that. We've all been to funerals. And at times it feels so final. Those of us who are pastors who've done funerals for people we don't know if they've ever made a commitment to Christ. It's a sad moment. But we know that through Jesus, in Jesus, death is defeated. Its grip is just taken away. And Satan and all his demonic hordes stand back. They tried everything. They Jesus. The grip of death is loosened. All this is happening and the disciples are in a room mourning. As I said on Friday, it's so important in these stories to see yourself. To know your place in the story. And there have been times in my life where I have wept and cried and mourned and missed the fact that Jesus was at work. I would have been there with them. And brothers and sisters, he starts to appear to his followers. And if you ever you feel unworthy, anybody like that in this room, do you feel unworthy? I think we all do at times. It's part of the result of the fall. We all feel like Adam and Eve where they were chased out of the garden with an angel with a big sword. The fall makes us feel like we don't belong. And the first person, the reason I say that, the first person that Jesus appears to is a woman who was seriously demonized. Life was full of evil. Sometimes that's because of things that we do. Paul writes and says, Don't give the devil a foothold. Sometimes we give him a foothold in our lives. Unforgiveness, hatred, resentment. 
Sometimes it's things that happen to us. I've ministered to people who've been in car accidents. And the result of trauma, they are demonized. Abuse, we were talking about um, hope restored. Next Saturday. Someone is abused. It's so easy to allow things to lay hold of us. But the first person who Jesus comes to was this broken woman who's been restored. There's got to be a message in that. The mother of James. Go tell the others, he says. They go back to this house where the disciples are weeping. They are mourning the loss of their leader, their friend. And the door opens. And in comes Mary Magdalene. He is alive. There's not much of a reception committee. We saw him die. We saw him being put in the grave. We know what Joseph, they laid him in Joseph's tomb. We saw it. Unbelief in their hearts. And during this time of unbelief, two of the disciples leave Jerusalem. One we know is uh, Cleopas. I don't know who the other is. And they decide to leave Jerusalem and go home. I don't know why. But we find Jesus slipping between the natural and the supernatural in this new form, this resurrected form. And these two guys leave what's happening in Jerusalem. They've already heard that Jesus is alive. Must have missed that. But they're leaving town. Can't work that one out. And as they're walking along, they are still in this place of distress and mourning. Unbelief. Suddenly there's this other person with them. Hey guys, what are you talking about? And they say, Who are you? Do you not know what has just taken place? Are you the only one who doesn't know? Where have you been? Jesus has the most beautiful, perfect personality. That's why you must read your Bible. Through reading scripture, you get to know what he's like. So in this resurrected form, he says to them, 
No, what what things in Jerusalem? And he's being playful or naughty. You do that to your children sometimes. I remember Christmas time and they're all excited, can't wait for Christmas. Say, what day is it today? Christmas. He said, Oh no, it can't be today. And you know they and Cleopas, Cleopas begins to tell him what's happened and then we get a clear glimpse of what the expectation was they say to Jesus we thought he was the one who was going to restore Israel. We're an oppressed people. Under a king of, who's from the Romans. And we thought he was the one who was going to restore Israel. Why were they going home? Maybe it was just too much for them. But right there and then, Jesus gives them what must have been the most beautiful Bible study. It says that he took scripture and he walked through scripture beginning with Moses and explained the Christ right through scripture. And then he finally says in verse 26 of Luke 24 after showing them all this truth he says it was was it not necessary for the Christ, uh, sorry, it was necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter his glory? So he gives this explanation. He points to himself right through scripture. This was God's Plan. And because of the Father's plan, it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. Then their eyes are open. And that's what we need to pray. That God would open our eyes to His purposes. What are some of the things that Jesus would have covered? What are the things that he wanted them to know on that road? As he took them through the story of God's plan. I'm going to take you through uh, five. I think five things that this weekend speaks to us. The first thing that he wants them to know is that 
God's wrath had to be satisfied. God's wrath is not some godly irritability or annoyance. Sorry. It's not a God with a bad temper. And he painted a picture for us on Friday where he said, Holy, holy, holy is and if that is truly God, there can be no embracing of sin. Hadio, may I use you as an example? He publicly. I've got to know Hadio after the over these. Um, months that she got saved last year. And it's been an absolute joy to meet this young lady. To get to know her life. But imagine if God, when she walked in the door, had said to her, Oh, Hadir, you're such a sweet person. Don't worry about the sin. We'll, we'll just. Sweep over it. Don't worry about looking to other gods. It's fine. What should happen? God would become a lesser God. His holy, holy, holy nature would be Diminished. His holiness demands he has exercises his wrath on the things that deny him. He can't shrug his shoulders and say, oh, it doesn't matter. You're all so sweet. Oh, don't worry, it doesn't matter. Because then God wouldn't be God. That would make him more deficient. He is the God of wrath. But He's also the God of love. And so there is this wrath that has to deal with sin. And there is this love that provides an answer to deal with the wrath. Wow. His love provides a way out for you and me. And that's why this is such an important weekend. I so enjoyed Friday. Being here, seeing everybody. The sincerity of our worship, even though we didn't have all the drums and the things. Because you stand back and you consider what Jesus is going through. What all he suffers. Those hours on the cross. 
And if you just understand, and thank you so much, Fee, for that reading, what happens to someone on the cross. Just remember, the cross wasn't a one-off. The roads in Jerusalem and all over would have been lined with crosses because that's how they punished people to keep control. And you see all his suffering. Because you know, God is making a way for me to be free. I know me. I don't deserve that. What love is this? What love is this? I denied him. I turned my back on him. I was like Peter. I don't know him. I remember during my, when I started a business and we were doing well. We'd go away and got involved in all these all these business people. Steve, are you a church going? I've already said. What? Okay. Think of Peter. I don't know him. Not much difference. What love is this? His son. The lamb that takes away our guilt. God's holiness satisfied. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. The second thing. To quote one of Jordan's favorite writers and theologians. His name is Don Carson. He's even got a t-shirt put on. <laughs> he says, this second one is one of the most missed aspects of the cross. And it's this. To put Jesus' obedience on display. Have you ever asked a question? Okay, everybody, what is God actually like? Well, the crucifixion tells you. The resurrection tells you. He's a God who gives everything. He gives everything. But he's the God of power. We sang that in that glorious song. He is the one who gives of his very self. Jesus, when he was sent, he went. When he was given a task far beyond anything, uh, Petrus, I want you to do this for me. Anything you say, Steve. Amen. <laughs> I want you to go and suffer and die for Jordan. Let me think about it. I know Jordan. <laughs> 
But he goes. When he's given a task that involves an horrific death, he embraces it. When he goes to find all the rebels, I'm using my finger to point. <laughs> All the rebels say, I'm a rebel. We're rebellious. It's in our very nature. And he says, go and give your life for them. He does it. Jesus on display. Yeah. What's God like? Like that. When we were rebellious, he gave everything. He initiates, he's obedient, he's sacrificial, he's generous, he is kind, he is loving. The cross puts him on display. That's the second thing. So the first one. To deal with God's wrath. Second one, to put Jesus on display. Let's not forget that. Ah, the third one, to defeat Satan. In simple words, Satan is called the accuser in the Bible. And what a good name! Because all the time in our thought process, in our hearts, we are being accused by him. You will never do this. You don't deserve that. Who do you think you are? That's what we face all the time. And then on the cross, the Savior dies. And he's going to return in bright light, by the way. <laughs> he dies. What? And he's defeated. His power to accuse is taken away from him. And now when we put our faith in Jesus, whenever the accusations of the enemy come, how can you worship a church this morning? You've not even prayed this week. How can you do that? We can point to the cross and say, because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Imagine on the Emmaus Road when Jesus got to the point. Had to go to the cross. Scripture speaks of it. To overcome. He is defeated. That's why we can be confident. Number four. Here's one you'll know very well. He went to the cross to pay a debt. Preaching at a disco at the moment. Okay, he went to the cross to pay a debt. What debt? One you and I couldn't pay. 
Jesus went to the cross. Jesus he was nailed there. For what you owed. Every sin written up against you and against me. Taken away from us as we put our faith in Jesus. And it's given to him. Listen to this. He came and paid a debt he didn't owe. Because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. Remember, Cleopas and this guy, they're walking along the mass road. Jesus says, this is the Passover weekend, isn't it? Yes. Do you remember the story, Cleopas? When we were slaves in Israel, or you were, my people were, and God was dealing with Egypt, and then Moses gathered the leaders and all of you and said, what you've got to do tonight, you've got to take the blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb. It must die. You must take the blood and you must put it on your door frame on your threshold the entry into your house because tonight death is going to go across the land and every firstborn will die unless he sees the blood of the land Cleopas just became that lamb for you. You don't have to do that ever again. My blood is on your threshold. I don't know the people who lived in our house before us on the farm. We've met some of them. don't know them very well. But as I was slowly fixing up the house, I was cleaning all the door frames in the house as we were doing things. And I thought, what is this awful varnish they use on all the door frames? Every door frame in that house had this brown goo all over it. What was it? Blood. The one thing I do know about them, they never understood the gospel. Never understood the gospel. Because we don't have to do that. Jesus did it. When he was on that cross. When the blood flowed. To such an extent you must probably could not see his skin. The Lamb of God was slain 
for the sins of the world. Why? Because you owed a debt. I love that song we sang earlier. Where, oh, now it's just gone out of my mind. What was it about? Oh yes, the greatest day in history. <laughs> I remember giving my life to the Lord. I came home from the evening service. And I loved my mom. We got on so well. Don't tell my brothers and sisters, but I was the favorite. <laughs> I think so, anyhow. I loved it. I remember coming and saying, Mom. Amazing things just happened to me tonight. I gave my life to Jesus. I just had my sins forgiven. You know what she said to me? I can't remember her exact words. <laughs> she said something like, Oh, rubbish, don't get involved in all of that. <laughs> Some of you thinking, oh, Steve's got some of his mother in <laughs> But you know what? Something had changed. And that's what happens when you surrender your life to Jesus. It's ten past twelve. <laughs> I now have a debt to pay. <laughs> but something changed. Last one. To demonstrate his love for you and I. What would make someone who has no sin? He's never done anything wrong. Nothing. Next. That's not just a nice statement, it is a truth. Jesus was the perfect lamb. What would make someone who is so perfect say, I'll take over all your sins? Love. For God so loved. The world. He gave. I want to go back to what Kumbi said earlier. And maybe you hear never surrendered your life to Christ. You got God's against your sin you full of sin and shame there is a way there is a bridge that's Jesus as we put our faith in him we are received we are adopted into God's family all the sin has been dealt with all the shame don't miss out today. Don't miss out today. Is there anybody here? 
we won't close our eyes, we won't pretend we can't see. Say, Steve, that's me. Anybody? Don't miss the opportunity. Everybody here knows Jesus. Okay, let's do it the other way. Who knows Jesus? I'm going to look and see. Put your hand up high. Ah, it's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Were you offering me your phone or did you have your hand up? If your love has grown cold, that the beauty of this cross has just died of it. Can I ask you this? Don't leave here without being prayed for today. Let the Spirit come and bring life. So that in the mornings when you wake up, you just say, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Wow. There's a whole big box of Easter eggs here. I don't know who thought of this idea. It wasn't Jesus. <laughs> it's nowhere in here. <laughs> a thousand years ago also. The church adopted a practice of giving eggs. <laughs> then some very wealthy person thought, this is a good idea, I'll make them out of chocolate. It's most probably something that's pagan. <laughs> but I tell you, I love the person who made chocolate Easter eggs. <laughs> and you know what, what Jesus would do if he was here? Say, what are these? They're to give away. Oh, I like giving away. <laughs> John's saying, please, and Andy, happy birthday, Andy. <laughs> Let's have some fun. You're allowed an Easter egg on one condition. You give it away. Thank you, Margaret. Come and fetch an Easter egg, find someone and say, I'm going to give you this like Christ was given to me. And then you've got to walk by faith that someone's going to do the same for you. Don't you stand? Let's give Jesus a big cheer. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we close this Easter weekend. We thank you for your kindness. Thank you for paying my debt, Lord. Thank you for watching over me. Lord, as I go, as these brothers and sisters go, I pray we would live our lives 
to honor you because of what you did for us. It's the appropriate response, Lord. To walk, to put you on display. Would you watch over us? Watch over Hannah as she flies to Montana. And Heather and I as we go to Europe. Watch over all of us here. Lord, may we never, never lose the beauty of the cross in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.